Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And uh, Steph led um, uh, a children's work, uh, the No Junior Holy Spirit Conference, uh, first ever conference for children's workers uh, that we've done at Eastgate. It was absolutely phenomenal. 162, was it? About 162 people. Um, So it's just, just amazing things that God is doing. So, my name's Rob, I'm married to Vicky, over here, and uh, I'm really encouraged by uh, David's word that he gave earlier, and I just want to pick up on it, because he spoke about Gideon, and the fact that the angel of the Lord said, you know, Gideon, mighty warrior. Um, And the fact is that Gideon, at the time, was not living like a mighty warrior. Uh, If you remember the story, um, you remember that he was actually hiding in a wine press, threshing some wheat, because he was afraid that if he didn't hide, the Midianites would come, who were oppressing Israel at the time, and would steal it. So he was living, in many ways, like a slave, in fear for his life, and in fear for even just the food he ate. So that's how he was living. But God actually, you know, the angel of the Lord looked at him and said, Gideon, mighty warrior. Now, God knows all things, and he knew what Gideon was going to become, but I don't actually believe it was about that. I believe that God actually saw into him, saw what he'd put in him, and called out what was already there, that God had made him a mighty warrior. Because Gideon had a mistaken identity. He thought he was one thing, but actually the truth is he was something else. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, can I ask you, who was here this morning and heard Dave Foggan? Um, I heard Dave Foggan. It wasn't he phenomenal. Um, and I really want to say, I want to encourage you, if you didn't hear him this morning, to get the podcast, because all of our sermons are on the podcast on our website and uh, eastgate.org.uk. I really want to build on what Dave was talking about this morning. He didn't talk to me about it, but he referred to the story that I'm going to be talking about, which is the prodigal son story, or the wonderful father, as we like to call it. And he talked about the fact that Jesus taught us that whatever we ask in his name, if we believe that we've received it, then it will be ours. If we believe that we've received it, before we actually see it in our natural eyes, before it happens, if we believe, then it's ours. And he was talking about how we need to change what we believe about ourselves and we need to change what we think. And I really want to build on that tonight. So are you up for that journey? Yep, three of you are. Excellent. <laughs> we'll, t- we'll, we'll build on that. Um, okay, so I'm going to look at Luke chapter 15, and it's a story that you'll be very, very familiar with. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to be talking tonight about identity, I've called it mistaken identity. If you want to know more about your royal identity, about how, who you and I and we really are, then I really want to encourage you and do a shameless plug for something that we call Encounter Week. So if you go, and you can even do it now while I'm talking, eastgate.org.uk forward slash encounter. Now, we have a school called the Eastgate School of Spiritual Life, which Vicky leads, and if you want to talk to her more about that, you can at the end, Um, which is two days a week, 30 weeks of the year, where you learn about your royal identity in Christ and just expect the Holy Spirit to be working through you, for people to be healed, to see miracles. Um, I can't do it justice in three minutes now. But if you can't take a year out of your life and commit to that, we've got this thing called Encounter Week, which is from the 2nd to the 6th of September 2019. And if you go there, then you can book a ticket 
It's a week long. It's £175 if you book now. And I'd really warmly encourage you to come along. So second till the 16th, sorry, second till the 6th of September. Okay, so we're going to look, if you want to turn to it, you can, but I've handily put it up here. We're going to read a story that's very familiar to you, um, the story of the, the parable of the lost son. So Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My father, my son, the father said, you are always with me. And this is what Dave quoted this morning. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So many of us have read this story lots and lots of times. And um, I do children's work with Steph. And so often if I'm telling the story, I have a load of children crawling around being pigs in the story. So if anyone wants to do that, feel free. We can do that. In fact, if the technology doesn't work, we might end up acting out the entire Lion King in a moment. So just prepare yourself for that. So there are so many rich lessons in that story. But I just want to pick out one really important one which, um, which I want to talk about about these two brothers and what they did. You see, um, and to do this, to demonstrate what the brothers did, I'm going to use one of the greatest Disney movies ever made, which is The Lion King. 
Does anyone like the Lion King? I like the Lion King. Okay, so if we can make sure the sound is working. So I need to explain the story so far, if you haven't seen it. So Simba is a baby lion at the beginning. You remember the, when they lift him up, okay? And then, um, it's such a brilliant film. Um, and so Simba's dad dies. And to cut a long story short, Simba thinks it's his fault. So he runs away. And he starts living with these kind of vagabonds and he just starts eating bugs and worms and stuff and not living like a lion at all. And he blames himself for his father's death. And then this old wise monkey, Rafiki, you with me so far? Okay, so we've got Mufasa, the father, Simba, the baby, Rafiki, the monkey, okay? He comes and says, I, you know, I know your father and your father's still alive, okay? And Simba says, no, you know, you're wrong. He's, he's dead. And he says, no, no, he's alive. That's where we're at. Are you with me? Okay, so enjoy this clip. He says he's now going to show him his father. Has anyone else got goose pimples? (laughs) (laughs) So Mufasa says this. He says, Simba, you have forgotten me. You have forgotten who you are. And so forgotten me. Look inside yourself. You are more than what you have become. When we forget who we are we forget who God is both sons in the story forgot who they were the first son he'd said you know some people think quite disrespectfully actually I think it wasn't so unusual at the time but he said I want to have my part of the inheritance now and then he went away and he did his own thing and he squandered it And because he had squandered it, because he had nothing left, and he was now, you know, a a Jew, we assume, feeding pigs, which would have been abhorrent to him, he now felt, because of what I've done, I'm not a son anymore. I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. He'd asked for his inheritance early, he'd squandered it. But what he didn't understand was, it wasn't his behaviour that made him a son in the first place. It was simply who he was. He couldn't help being a son of his father. It was quite literally in his DNA. He is his son. When we forget who we are, we forget who God is. You know, he could not stop being a son any more than I can just decide I'm a canary. Okay, I can I can say to you, everybody, I'm a canary, and I can go and try to make a noise like a canary, and I can even try and fly like a canary. But now, however many times I say the word canary, or however much I whistle, doesn't make me a canary, okay? Because I'm Rob, and my father is God. And if you saw my natural dad, I looked exactly like him. I'm a spitting image of him. I can't stop being his son just by behaving badly. But, but this son had forgotten that. He'd forgotten that who he was was just who his dad had made him to be. He was his son, and he couldn't stop being his son. It wasn't his behavior that had given him that position. But here's the interesting thing about this story. He wasn't the only one who forgot who he was. See, if you look at the older son, I want to read, and this is the thing that they referred to earlier, See, the older son has stayed behind. He's been the good one. And he's worked really hard. 
And you can understand, can't you? I mean, you can understand him being a bit fed up when the, I'm not saying he's right, <laughs> but when the younger son comes back who's wasted everything and the dad says, you know, give him everything. And so the older son says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. There's that word slave. And never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fat and calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive, was lost and is found. Both of the sons, if you remember the story, when did the sons, when did the first son get the inheritance, the younger son? Right at the beginning, didn't he? When did the older son get his inheritance? Exactly the same time. It says that the father separated the inheritance and gave each of them their inheritance. So from the very beginning of the story now, that son has known everything here. So it's it's literally like the, the, the dad is saying to him, Son, you're saying I haven't given you a goat. It's your farm. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to ask me for a goat. It's your farm. I gave it to you back here. Everything is yours. I'm always with you and everything is yours. Both sons received it. But the older son, just like Gideon in the wine press, was living like a slave. He was living like he had to earn his dad's approval, like he had to earn his right to be a son. So actually, in, in a strange way, although they'd come at it from completely different angles, both sons had fallen into the same trap. They'd both started to thinking of themselves as slaves. The first one, because he'd gone and wasted everything and thought, I'm not worthy now, I, I just screwed up everything, I'm a slave now, I have to go back and live like a slave. And the second one, although he'd stayed and he was with his dad, he'd forgotten what a wonderful, amazing, loving dad he had, and he started in his mind to live like a slave who had to somehow earn his approval, and, and, and he just started building up resentment in his heart. But the end result for both sons was the same. They'd become slaves in their minds, and they'd become alienated from their father in two completely different ways but with the same result so how does this happen how does this happen to human beings where we get alienated from our father and we start forgetting who we are and we start living like slaves because I really believe that this is a problem that all of us face and that all of us have to fight against so why why do we get to that place And I believe the simple reason, among others, is this, but we have an enemy. We have an enemy, the Bible calls him Satan, who doesn't want us to know who our father is, who doesn't want us to live like the sons and daughters of the king that we are, but wants us to live in slavery, wants us to live believing that either we've just messed it up completely and we're not worth it, and we just can't be his son anymore, or actually that we just work really hard and he doesn't notice anything we do and we might as well not be alive because he's forgotten about us. And he wants to get us that way or that way or any other way that he can to make us feel like we're slaves that either have to earn approval or have screwed up. Anything 
to stop us thinking that actually we're sons or daughters of the living God who loves us and has given us everything. So the enemy likes to do this trick, okay? And I really want to encourage you to listen carefully to this. He gets us in our thinking, and he gets us like this. He says, well, you know that God is good, and God can be trusted, but I'm not very good, am I? And I can't be trusted because I've, I've messed up, so I'm not worthy to be God's son. Or, well, actually, I, I work all the time for God, and he never does anything for me, and he never gives, so, so actually it's not worth it. So either which way, he doesn't care how he does it. <laughs> he wants you alienated from your father. He wants you thinking that you're a slave who doesn't own anything and has no rights so that you can't be the person that God created you to be. You know, most of us as Christians know that it's not okay to say that God is not good. We know that that's not a good idea. But often, we're actually quite content to beat ourselves up and to say that we're no good, that we're rubbish, that we've messed up, that we don't deserve it, that we don't have enough blah, 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 just fill in the blanks. But what we don't understand is like Simba, if you forget, if I forget who I am, then I forget who God is. Because I've been made in his image. So if I forget, if I don't see who I am, then actually I'm beginning to forget who he is. And I mustn't forget who he is. And this has been the enemy's trick from the very beginning. Okay, If you look back in Genesis to the story of Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, verses 1 to 6, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. The problem for Eve was that she had forgotten who she was. Because what the enemy managed to get her to think was that actually she had to do something in order to be like God. That, oh, at the moment she didn't have this knowledge of good and evil, so therefore once she had that, then she would be like God. But was that the truth? No. The truth is that whose image had she been made in? She'd been made in God's image from the beginning. She was already like him. But the enemy managed to convince her, oh, you're not like him enough. You have to do this. And when you've done this, you'll be worthy. You'll be good enough. You'll be like God. She'd, she'd forgotten who she was. And this is what, what the enemy does. And so what I, what I wanna, what I wanna do just in, in these last few minutes, um, is to, just explain some tools and to think about how can we make sure that we remember who we are. 
How can we make sure that we don't fall into this trap of our thinking, of, of thinking like slaves, that either we've messed up and there's no way back, or that, you know, we've been working and working and working and it just seems that it's never good enough, and, and living like a slave. How can we live like the sons and daughters of the king with all authority who own the farm, who God's given everything to? How can we make sure? And I want to remind you and remind us of three things that God has given us, three tools, three uh, jewels, really, that God has given us to help us to remember who we are. And in remembering who we are, to remember who he is, the God who made us. So the, the first one will be no surprise to you, is the word. And interestingly, this quote here is, is about you know, knowing who we are. So in James, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking, looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Is, is telling us that when, when, we, when we look into God's word, really it, it shows us who we are. And if we go away and we don't base our lives on God's word and the truth, the truth that we're his sons, his daughters, sons and daughters of the king, given all authority, if we go away and we immediately forget that, it's like a person looking in the mirror and then just immediately forgetting who they are and what they look like. And I, I want to just give you, and I'm not going to go into into depth, but I think one of the one of the problems sometimes we can feel intimidated by the word. We can think, where, where can I start? What can I do? I use a very simple system, which I've talked about a number of times. You don't need to use this system, but it's just a tool that I use, where I choose a book of the Bible. So, for example, just you could choose a, uh, a gospel, Mark, which is the shortest gospel, okay? And I'll start reading it, and I'll ask Holy Spirit just to highlight a scripture. And I use this acronym SOAP, S-O-A-P. So I'll ask God to highlight a scripture and then I'll write that scripture down. And then I'll speak to Holy Spirit and I say, what's, what's, that, what's that saying? What's the meaning of that passage? And then I'll write that down. That's my observation of just the simple meaning of the passage. And then I'll, I'll ask Holy Spirit again. And this is the key thing, is asking Holy Spirit. Because the way we know who we are is that we ask God who we are. I can't afford, as Bill Johnson says, to believe anything about myself that God doesn't believe about me. So then I ask God for my application of that. How can I apply what you're saying about me in that passage? How can I apply it to my life today? And then, quite simply, I will pray and ask God to help me to apply that into my life today. And then when I've finally done that, I will ask, Holy Spirit, what's the main thing you're saying to me through that? And I'll create that as a title for the day. And then I tend to do it for a month, and I look back, and you'll be amazed at the things, that, the, the patterns in what God has been saying, about what he's been telling you about who he's created you to be. So I want to just warmly encourage you, the word is one of the main ways that we learn who God has made us to be. Okay? The second thing I want to talk about is, is the blood of the Lamb, which I'm talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. And in Revelation it says this, it says, Then I heard a voice in heaven say, 
Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. So I talked about, you know, we have an enemy who accuses us. That's what he does, constantly tells us you're not good enough or no one notices you or whatever to make us slaves. But then it says this in verse 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And so the second thing I want to say, there's only three points in this application, is when the enemy accuses you, and he will accuse you, he will say, you've screwed up, you've done this, you don't deserve it. Or he'll say, you do this and nobody notices it and God doesn't love you or care. He will accuse you of things. Don't try to fight him. Don't try to, to, to think of a clever argument. Just point to the blood of Jesus and say, you're accusing me of these things, but actually, let me remind you of what Jesus has done. Because actually, he's paid for everything. So even if I did screw up, even if I did mess up, actually, it's irrelevant. Because he's paid for it, and I've been forgiven. And so the third point on that is related, and that is, it talks about the testimony. And so the third tool I want to talk about is, is your testimony, and what God has done. God moves in our lives. God uses us in situations. God speaks to us constantly and we hear his voice and he moves through us. And it's so important that we, that we write these things down, that we remember them, that we bring them to mind. And I want to encourage you, um, there's a book, I don't know if you've read it. Has anyone read this book, Victorious Emotions? Can I just ask you to raise your hands if you've read it? Uh, only a couple of you, okay. I want to encourage you. This is by a lady called Wendy Blackland. And she just encourages you to, one of the exercises she encourages you to do is to remember a time when you just knew God was with you, uh, an event in your life, maybe you led someone to the Lord, or God, God used you in whatever way, and write it down and ask God to remind you of it and the details of it. Because what you're then doing is you're, we are training our minds to say, actually, this is who God created me to be. This kind of thing. So when, when God used me in this situation, that's, that's what I'm like. That's the kind of person I am. That's who God's created me to be. And what he's done before, he's going to do it again. And here's the thing. It doesn't actually have to be a thing necessarily that happened to you. You can look at one of your friends that God has used and say, God has let me see that because he's showing me what can be done. He's showing me who we are when we live as children of the king. And we can build on that testimony and, and learn who we really are as opposed to who the enemy wants to tell us that we are. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize and I'm going to ask Chris in a moment. So if you want to get ready, Chris, that would be good. Um, so in the story of the prodigal son, that the problem was that the two sons forgot who they were. And just like Simba in that Lion King clip, because they forgot who they were, they forgot who their father was. And when we forget who we are, we forget who our father is. And he doesn't want us to forget who he is because he's wonderful and he created us and he has given us all things and he loves us with that perfect love that Steph was talking about. So there's three tools and three S's that I just want to leave you with as a reminder. The first one is the word. The way to remind yourself, the way to remind ourselves every day of who we are is by every day peering into the word of God. Because it's like a mirror. 
He made it, he made us, and it reflects to us the truth of who we are. The first one is scripture. The second one is the blood of the lamb. When, when the enemy, or even just your own head, accuses you and says, oh, you're rubbish, you've, you've done this, you've messed up, or says, you know, nobody notices you, nobody cares about you, nothing you do matters. When he does that, you just point him to the sacrifice of Jesus and say, do you know what, it doesn't actually matter whether what you're saying is true because the only truth I need to know is that Jesus has dealt with this. That even if I have messed up, he's dealt with it. So let me refer you to the sacrifice of Jesus. And the third and final one I want to encourage you with is the power of testimony. It's just to encourage you to sit down with God, with Holy Spirit, and ask him to remind you of the things that he's done in your life and give thanks for them. That's a lot of thing Dave was talking about this morning. Give thanks and say, Lord, what you did there, would you do it again? And would you do more? Because I want more of you. So Chris has written a, a beautiful song about the, the prodigal son story uh, and about both brothers. Um, and I just want to encourage you um, to, firstly, to, to let this song minister to you. And then I just want to invite a response. And if you've been touched by anything I've said this evening, and if you, if you know, actually know there are ways that I've been thinking and things that I've been believing, I've realized I've slipped into just thinking like a slave and not thinking like the son and, or the daughter of the king that I am. And if you know that you've, that you've done that, I just want to encourage you to respond in some way. You can do it in your seat. Um, or you can choose to, to come up and, you know, just, just to make some sort of response so that, and we'll pray for you and we'll just let the, the, the music minister to you. So, um, Chris, I'd like to invite you to bless us with your wonderful song. Like a hired slave Do you think that I could love you less My dignity to save You just stand up tall and proud Look me in the eye And you will see how much I love you Till the day I die Every day I watched Hoping I would see In the distance my young prodigal Coming home to me Now that you are here Say what's done is done Get off your knees Let me hold you Welcome home, son 
No one seems to understand that when you went away, your brother's rage possessed him so. I lost two boys that day. There's only one thing now remains. There's only one thing to keep me sane. I need to know my two young boys are reconciled again. Cause every day I've watched, hoping I would see. Coming home to me, but now that you are here, I'll say what's done is done. Get off your knees, let me hold you. Welcome home, I remember how you used to play, my carefree little boy. How he used to comfort you and try to mend your toys. But even now he loves you so after everything you've done. I need you both to hear me saying. Welcome home, son. Every day I watched, hoping I would see in the distance my young prodigal coming home to me. Now that you are here, I'll say what's done. Get up your knees. Let me hold you. Welcome home, son. Welcome home, my love. Welcome home. Just thank Chris for blessing us for that. Thank you, Chris. If if you'd like to stand, I'd just love to pray for you and then we'll end there. Father God, thank you that you've you've created us as your sons and daughters, Lord, not as not as slaves. And thank you that because of what Jesus has done, we're set free from sin and death. And we can live as the sons and daughters you've created us to be. And Father God, we we just want to repent of all the ways that we've allowed our thinking to be slave-like. And where we've either thought we've messed up and we've moved too far from you, or you don't notice, or any, any of the enemy's traps that we've fallen into. Father God, we thank you that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Father God, we just declare that freedom now together in Jesus' name, that we are free 
that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And we just break off any slave thinking that there's been. Lord, I just release you from any slave thinking now. So you've been set free. You have all things. It's your farm. He's given you everything. And I just declare that over you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.